Hi, this is Erica, housekeeper of Happy Vermont. Thanks for being here with me. Country stores can be found in every corner of Vermont. There are about 80 country stores across the state, and there's a lot of exciting things happening at them. Here's a few examples of what I'm talking about. In southern Vermont, the Putney store has new owners, while the West Townsend store on Route 30 recently launched a donation-based model to help feed the community. Up in Orleans County near the Canadian border, the Albany Community Trust is raising money to revive the shuttered Albany General Store. Of course, there's also been some closures, such as the Moncton Store, which closed at the end of 2019, and the East Callis Store on Route 14, which closed around Christmas time. But many places, including the Warren Store, stay busy with many loyal customers. Jack Garvin was born in Newton, Massachusetts, and grew up in Waltham, just outside of Boston. He had been following a completely different career path before he started working a new job at the Warren store in May 1980. I was thinking about today, but good yesterday. Oh, you did go yesterday. Running a general store means juggling many tasks at once. Tracking inventory, running a cash register, maintaining a website. The store's website is warrenstore.com, in case you're wondering. Also posting on social media and greeting customers as they walk in the door. For Jack, it's also meant being an active community member, making lifelong friends, meeting a celebrity or two, and learning how to outgrow his previously shy nature and become a more outgoing individual. Jack, thanks for having me here at the Warren store today. First, let's talk about the big picture. Generally speaking, how are Vermont general stores doing? Country stores in, in Vermont, and I, I would gather, you know, throughout the, throughout the country, throughout New England and the country, uh, you know, are just that. Uh, the very uh, definition of country stores is that they try to uh, accommodate the needs of, of their, their customers. So you need to know who your customer is, and then you need to kind of fulfill what they need. So it's, it's no surprise that when you go to country stores, you see such an eclectic uh, array of, of, of products. And it could be from, you know, cans of worms for fishing to, to caviar. That's the range. That's the range of, of your customers. And you're constantly turning on a dime. With, with trends, you have to determine uh, the difference between fads and trends and, you know, change with your customer. Because if you don't, then, you know, there's so much competition out there, you know, with, with online shopping and, you know, in big, large markets. And uh, they, make, they make shopping easier for people. And people like easy because time is money. and People, people want to get something immediately, and they want to get it cheap, and they want to get it fresh and all that. So, um, you know, what I say it's an uphill battle, you know, perhaps, but it's a very pleasant climb. That's nice. That's good to hear. I always think, too, the idea of running a store, a general store, it sounds romantic. It sounds wonderful, like, oh, I want to move up to Vermont, you know, get out of the city, get out of the rat race, and, and open a country store. It'll be amazing. What is the reality of running a store? The reality is that most country stores are in old buildings. In old buildings, you know, in a very harsh climate, you know, very rough winters, uh, need a lot of attention. And, you know, the margins from country stores are small. 
you know, it's almost a, a, a victory if you can break even. It's very similar to the restaurant business. You know, if you can break even, you know, have a good quality of life, uh, keep growing, you know, pay your staff and do, do all of that and, uh, you know, stay ahead of the maintenance, you know, and the broken down refrigerators and all of that, uh, then, you know, it's a very rewarding job. Most country stores are the hubs of the towns or the regions. Uh, what job can you go to that all your friends come to visit you at work? It's very unique in that way, you know, and every day is different. There's a whole different set of challenges every day. So you're, you know, for me, you know, and for my staff, we're always turning on a dime, making adjustments, uh, you know, problem solving, you know, quick requests, you know, it's just uh, constant. You're exposed to new products. Uh, you want to support the vendors in Vermont. Vermont has an incredibly inventive and innovative uh, a group of people that in order to live in Vermont, you try to become, you know, very enterprising. So there are a lot of new products. And I feel that the country store, uh, country stores in general, should be that, you know, that place for our friends and neighbors to launch their products, you know, to showcase their products. And that's what we're doing this, this February, every President's Week we bring in a variety of Vermont uh, vendors. You know, uh, some of our old friends who we've been doing forever, you know, Silo Cider, we've been working with them for a few years now, but we have uh, someone from uh, West Crescent Farm uh, doing a CBD uh, discussion. And we have a woman in Worcester, Vermont, who will be coming in with her husband to talk about the health benefits of mushrooms. You know, so it's very diverse, very eclectic. And uh, we're fortunate the Warren store has a reputation as being, you know, a, a Vermont destination for a lot of people out of state. And with President's Week, we get a big crowd there. And it's a perfect opportunity for people to, you know, learn about the country store experience and learn about new products here. So that kind of energy and that kind of social engagement is very rewarding to me. And I think it is for the staff that I have. We have a core staff that's been there for a while. And I think that the social element is really part of the paycheck. Yeah, absolutely. And even when I got here and I saw the gentleman from Silo Cider, mm. you know, kind of chasing you down. Hey, Jack. Yeah. Hey, you know, you, you're a popular guy. Well, popular, busy, you know, busy guy. And, and I get that all the time. And there are people coming in and I get the benefits of that. I've had, there's a gelato company that just uh, sprouted up in Bennington, you know, and they dropped a pint of this great Tahitian vanilla gelato for, you know, and it's my job. It's research and development. I had to try that. So it does come with its perks. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to be working in a country store that has, you know, that, that cachet. You know, we're fortunate that we live in a, work in a ski area. Uh, we're fortunate that we're a year-round resort area. Some other country stores don't have that, you know, and it's all about location. And, uh, you know, the Warren store and a, and a bunch of other stores are fortunate to, you know, to have that easy accessibility. It's such a rewarding job on so many different levels. And as I said earlier, what job do you have that your friends come to see you at work every day? You can always make the time to, you know, to chat with them and to socialize. But you get involved with the community and all of the, the good things that happen and all the tragedies in the community, and you're, you're part of that. It's under your skin. And the store function is to be there for the community. 
you know, if the valley is great, Mad River Valley is just an amazing place to live in. We circle the wagons around people in need. We celebrate hard and we have fun, and, but we celebrate people's lives and we, we circle the wagons. And the Warren store is and always will be part of that, that outreach. And that part has been very rewarding for me personally. My knowledge of wine, knowledge of retail, I, I went to school to be a high school history teacher. And, you know, I, I have a pretty good, well-rounded knowledge of a lot of things from working in retail, you know, a sense of history, a sense of place. Uh, sometimes you need to be a counselor with, uh, with staff or with, with customers. Um, you know, every day is interesting, and the experiential learning from working at a country store is priceless. You know, I'm, I'm saying this now. And almost kind of realizing it now myself, you know, I, I appreciate that question because even as I'm answering it, I'm kind of reflecting on how, how, um, how deep the knowledge and the diversity has been, you know, in the almost 40 years that I've been here. And that's what I really appreciate. And no one day is the same. You can do your Monday through Friday, nine to five days. You know, we, we don't have that. No one day is alike. It's like, like snowflakes. So um, tell me a little bit about how you, how did you end up here at the Warren store and what was your life like before you came here? Well, I worked in civil service in Waltham, Massachusetts, and uh, I, I was grooming myself for a civil service job being the head of the health department in Waltham, Massachusetts. It didn't work out. There was a certain amount of nepotism with the mayor and his nephew. I became frustrated by that. I was going to school to be um, a history teacher at the high school level. But when this opportunity opened up, I went to the Harvard Extension Program, the School of Environmental Studies. They said, you know, you're already in the system in civil service, and this would be a good transition. I said, yeah, this would be good. Environment will be good. You know, so that kind of, that kind of fell through. We moved up here and, you know, had a variety of jobs you know, as a bartender and uh, dropping trees and doing all that. And I came into the store and Carol Lippincott, who was the owner at the time, said, tell me a little bit about yourself. And I came from Waltham. She came from the other side of 128 in Weston, adjoining towns. So we had a lot of commonality. And I think that that was kind of the tipping point in her hiring me. And, uh, you know, for the life of me, I never thought that I would be there 40 years later. It's a little bit of folklore. But they say that Jack came in one day for a cup of coffee and never left. Not quite like that, but that's what, you know, people say. So I, you know, I, I think it's kind of an amusing anecdote. But yeah, when I started, I, you know, I thought I was, you know, doing this. And you learn pretty quick that when you move to Vermont, you know, there's, there's the joke of what do you call a Vermonter with three jobs, you know, a slacker. And both my wife and I learned pretty quick that we would have to uh, diversify. You know, I think a lot of Vermonters do. You come up to Vermont with certain skill sets and a certain education, and then you find yourself not doing any of that and coming up with something new, and that was the case for me. And this job has made you 
more outgoing. You know, you're a great conversationalist. You find ways to engage and, and connect with people. Can you talk a little bit about that part of the job, reaching out to folks and connecting with them and kind of finding something in common? You know, working at a country store, you know, becoming more and more social just because of the culture of a country store and then becoming a manager and running the store. You're the spokesperson. You're the spokesperson of not only of a business, but of a, of a community. You know, I took that responsibility uh, very seriously, business-wise and community-wise. And, uh, and over the years, you know, developed uh, more ease in doing that because that's what I needed to do. I got involved with a lot of organizations outside, kids going through school, coaching this and that and this and that, and working to the cultural center. I was recreation head here in Warren for a while. So it was just a variety of, you know, different things that um, moved me out of that, that quiet place into, into a more engaging place. There are about 80 country stores in the state. Does that sound right? That sounds, give or take, that sounds about right. There's, you know, there's new ownership and then there's country stores going down. So it it kind, of, it kind of hovers between 75 and 85, you know, in the last couple of years, I believe. Has that number changed much over, like, say, the past 20 years or so? It used to be over 100, yeah. So there has been a, you know, a, a pretty good attrition rate, you know, these last few years. Uh, in 2008, when we had the global economy in the summer of 2008, 2008 to 2010, there was a, you know, a large attrition rate. You know, the, the combination of people that do come up that want to make it their livelihood or their, you know, their, uh, their next career, you know, between the difficulty of running it and the fact that, you know, in their age, you know, they, they kind of run hand in hand and it gets to the point where like, you know, we don't have the energy to do that anymore. And you do need a lot of energy to do it. it you know, running a country store is 24-7. And talk about how the model of running a country store has changed over the past, you know, 20 years in the age of Amazon and online shopping and, and all of that. Well, it comes back to, you know, knowing your customers and accommodating your, your customers. Um, coming to the country store, we like our customers to stick around. You know, in this age of fast and everybody has schedules and everything is so quick and everybody wants something quick, you know, people still need to take a break and reflect and to socialize and to do all that. So we approach our job, you know, as every visit, whether it's somebody that comes in every day, we have the coffee clutch that, you know, the guys that come in and every morning, they have their, their own chair, their own timetable, you know, and they go over the world's problems. I can only imagine today the State of the Union address and so many different things, you know, one on top of the other this week. To the person that comes in for a wedding from the West Coast, you know, it's become a big wedding area and they'll come in for a weekend. Uh, they're waiting for the wedding. They come into the store for the first time. And we approach it that our uh, customer service to uh, an event for people you know, whether it's, you know, the everyday customer or that new person, this is an opportunity for you kind of slow down, you know, and as hectic as it is, you know, if you're waiting in line here, you know, to get a sandwich, you'll be able to talk to somebody that you haven't met, or you'll be able to look at what's on the shelf while you're waiting, 
or you'll be able to wait and go upstairs or you can go out on the deck out, outside. We, we want to create an experience, you know. Invariably, people that come here for the first time, they do come back and they enjoy it. So we're more, you know, long-term and we like our customers to be, um, you know, treated, you know, really, really well. Uh, friendships are generated. And basically that's, you know, the, the generation of friendships, identifying people when they come in. We have people that come in once a year, you know, we know them by first name and, and they love that and they introduce their friends and all of that. You don't get that in markets. You don't get that in Amazon. And, and I think that, you know, for country stores in general, for us, certainly, that's our, that's our trademark, you know. Uh, it's something that we're conscious of, but we have people where we do it naturally. It's not forced. You know, it's very natural, and I think uh, our customers feel that as well. They come in, they know they're in a safe place, they know that we're going to tease them, they're going to tease us back, you know, and it, it creates the experience, not just the, the errand. And it's a really special building. It just, you walk in, it's beautiful on the outside, and then you walk in and you've got, you know, the creaky wooden floors and it just has this feeling it's very warm and it's a place you want to be in so the building dates back to 1839 and it was first constructed as a stagecoach inn it was the it was the warren hotel and its primary function was to house people that were traveling primarily from boston to montreal overnight, but there were other stagecoach routes. And so the, the whole front of the store was partitioned off into rooms where our deli is now. That was a blacksmith shop. And our outbuilding, the bakery, was the stable where they kept the horses. And then over the years, it's been a post office, a library, and a hardware store. So when did it become the Warren store? And it became a, a kind of a funeral parlor of sorts. Really? Time. Yeah. And, you know, back in the day, there would be church services and they would wake people in their homes. But they, for a short amount of time, it served as a, as a funeral parlor as well. The, the town, back in the day, it's gone through a variety of different phases. There was, you know, there was lumbering, there was uh, raising sheep. Uh, at one time, Warren had 17 mills in town. And the downtown was, you know, had a, a little bit more critical mass. There were more stores and shops, not just the, you know, the Warren store, which was the Warren Hotel for 1900s. And then in the 1900s, it became kind of the hardware store and then slowly transitioned over to having, uh, you know, a, a little bit of food and, you know, incorporated, you know, into that, meeting the needs of the people. We had gas pumps. Cars starting came around, you know, gas pumps when I probably in the 20s. And uh, Roy Long, he bought the store in 1934, and he, he developed more groceries. He had his whole family working there. His kids were born upstairs when they were still partition rooms for the hotel. So all of his kids were born upstairs. I knew him a, a little bit. He sold it. He sold the business to Carol Lippincott in 1969. And right around that time, the, you know, the Valley, which wasn't, was kind of languishing a little bit, you know, it didn't really have any, you know, magnet industry and all that, but skiing came in 
and uh, that that changed everything. So suddenly there were people coming up from the metro areas, from Montreal, New York, Boston. Carol came from Weston, Massachusetts, a very exclusive community outside of Boston, and uh, you know she brought her sensibility of uh, style and flair and urban living, you know, to the store. Her husband was a uh, psychiatrist, so he opened up his business upstairs. He hung his shingle, you know, for his occupation outside of the store. And then slowly it evolved into meeting the needs of customers. You know, uh, suddenly you get the New York Times in the Warren store, and suddenly there was a wine selection. And she she built, um, you know, had the bakery built into the store and uh, providing providing more food. And it really started taking off when Sugarbush became known as Mascara Mountain, the whole jet-setting notion, you know, with celebrities from New York, uh, you know, would come in, and then that word of mouth would expand that. So did the store. And uh, it evolved that way. And the store, as you currently see it now, in big part is because of Carol's, you know, cha- you know changing things over in transitioning. But in the spirit of change, you know, where, you know, I've been doing that for almost 40 years and rolling with the times and rolling with the needs of our, our customers. And the locals are very important. You know, they're locals, you know, they come in during the busy times when they have guests that come up, you know, but they say, oh, you're so busy, uh, you know, during the busy times, you know, we kind of stay away. And I get that, you know, they, they can come here whenever they want. But, you know, we, we're so appreciative of our local business. You know, we have a suggestion box and we take those recommendations very seriously. What does your day here in, at the store entail? What, like, what's a regular day like for you? Well, it does change every day. You know, I'll, I'll have, uh, you know, different meetings. Uh, I try to orient myself to more uh, advertising. You know, we, we do all the social media stuff with Facebook and Instagram and all of that, I, I talk with other businesses about how they're doing. I, I believe that uh, a high tide raises all ships, so I don't see our competitors being competitors. I see it as an opportunity to compare notes because, you know, if we're busy and we're getting more people in the valley, you know, everybody is going to benefit from that. I think that bears it out with Lawson's finest new tap room you know, in Waitsville, although it's on the other side of the valley and we're kind of a southern outpost here, you know, we still get that benefit. And I think he's brought a lot of benefit to all the other businesses as well. Uh, so I, I keep in touch with, you know, other local businesses. Uh, I'm at the register, I'm doing a little repair work, uh, social media, you know, I have a lot of vendors that come in. I like the one-on-one relationship because it's a way of uh, finding out what's new. You know, a lot of people just kind of call in an order, you know, because it's easier. It takes a little bit more time, but at least I feel that I have just more information and more depth of, uh, of that, you know. And then I ask vendors, you know, I spend a, a fair amount of time with them because they're traveling throughout the state. What are you seeing? What stores are doing well? What's hot merchandise? What's this and that? You know, so, you know, I'm just very mindful as to what people people are doing out there. And speaking of merchandise, I mean, you have um, you have a great deli. You have a really excellent wine selection, and then you've got clothing and jewelry and baked goods. Can you talk about some of your best sellers 
Well, we Yankee has been very kind to us over the years, and they gave us best one-stop shopping in Vermont. And we have a lot under one roof, and you know that is an attraction for us. But that can have a downside as well. You know, you can spread yourself out so thin that a lot of people don't know everything that we have. You know, as opposed to a say a restaurant like American Flatbread, they do flatbread, they do a salad. But they do them well, you know, and they have, a, they have that dialed in. But, you know, the definition of a country store is that you have lots of different items. And, you know, food. You know, the deli is our gateway. Uh, the number six is probably our most popular sandwich. You had mentioned earlier the Rootsler that we named after Paul Rootsler, who is one of those regular customers, you know, every morning. Uh, he doesn't eat them, but he's such a good customer that... We thought we'd name a breakfast sandwich after him because he's always here around breakfast. What's in the Rootsler, just so our listeners know? Uh, it's an English muffin with, um, with an egg, a choice of breakfast meat uh, and cheese and mayo. You know, it's a very simple, but it's so damn good. Yeah, I love it. And uh, Ski Magazine uh, gave it one of the best uh, breakfast sandwiches uh, a few years back, you know, in their quest for the best breakfast at ski area stores around ski areas. So we were fortunate enough to get a, a mention about our roots there and that, you know, artisanal beer has been huge. And uh, we have been very fortunate to have um, Sean, who's, you know, a good friend of mine. He, uh, he did a beer tasting at my daughter's wedding, you know, before he even sold beer. And, uh, you know, when it was you know, just a, a hobby, kind of an avocation back in 2007. And shortly after that, he went commercial at Lawson's. And, uh, you know, so we were, the store was um, the exclusive location for getting his beer early on before the tap room and all that. And we would have lines of people that would come from all over, you know, two beer limit. Thursday morning, I'd come to work at seven o'clock and there would be all these cars with all these guys in the cars sleeping. They had just driven from Pittsburgh and Buffalo and Boston. And it's crazy to get, you know, two bottles of beer. They would certainly, you know, what I call the Bermuda Triangle. You know, it would be the store up to the Alchemist and then up to Sean Hills, you know. And, uh, you know, they would cover those other, other locations as well. But artisanal beer, you know, in the last few years has really jettisoned the store because we've had a lot of beer. People come in, you know, it's primarily men, like the 20s to 40s, and they would discover the store, you know, and Beer Advocate, they would say, oh, we finally got some beer, but we found it at this great out-of-the-way country store in the middle of nowhere. And then they would bring their families. They would come back, and uh, we developed a whole new demographic you know, um, in large part thanks to, to Sean and the artisanal beer movement. You know, we were very fortunate to be uh, the, the tip of the spear with his uh, growth. You know, he is, we've, since now, you know, people have gone up to the tap room and they can get as much beer as they want. But back in the day, it was limited, you know, small production, first come, first serve. And uh, it was, a, it was a, a crazy, crazy time. Crazy good time. We, we, we met a lot of people, and they still continue to come here. Tell me about the bakery at the Warren store. Yeah, the bakery initially started in 1973, 1974, in the store. 
but the deli and it was partnered up with the with the deli and then the deli got so big that the the bakery you know needed more room so we decided that you know eventually we would have to you know find more space so we had an old building in the back the stable the outbuilding in the back and we uh tore that down the town mindful of the historical components uh we had to repainted it in the same color that the original barn was and not change the footprint of it. So we did that. So it looks pretty much like uh, the original building. And uh, we built that in 2004. And the bakery has been back there, um, you know, cranking out everything every day. Uh, as we talked earlier, we make everything from scratch. But a lot of people, because they don't get the bakery aromas when they come in, uh, they're, they're not aware. Of that, you know, it, it, that's the one problem. We have more room for the bakery, but we don't have the presence of a bakery. And people like seeing things being made and, you know, seeing that, you know, that kind of interaction. So we have some thoughts about how we might want to change that going forward. We have uh, back in the bakery, we have a maple syrup company that rents out a room back there, um, Tonewood Maple Syrup. And, you know, they're, they're really, really good neighbors. And, you know, we try to, the bakery and Tone would try to collaborate a little bit with products. You know, you, you have a bake item and you have maple in it. You know, it's a unbeatable combination. And uh, they're famous for their, you know, our quarter pound cookies, you know, kind of as iconic as our number six sandwiches. Uh, and we've really branched out to, you know, make more pies. We're developing, making cakes for birthdays and weddings and, and doing all that. And we need to do more of that. We're realizing that we need to, uh, you know, give the bakery its uh, bakery its due. Uh, the bakery also makes all of the uh, desserts, you know, for the pitcher in. Uh, so we have a little bit of contracted bakery. They make all the bread for all the sandwiches every, every morning. So they're pretty busy back back there, and uh, you know some days it's uh, a little bit challenging because they have to if it's a rainy or snowy day, they have to carry that over to the pitcher in or you know over to the store. So you know you'll see a you know gang of bakers you know with their raincoats on you know with sheet pants covered you know walking over the street. But it's part of the funk and the charm of the you know the store. We do things you know, by hand, you know, the bakers might not agree with me on that, but uh, it is part of the, uh, you know, the idiosyncratic nature of, of the store. You know, there's nothing is black and white and nothing is, is smooth, you know, so you just have to embrace that, you know, in your day and not fight it because it will always be there. What's a kind of fun little known fact about the store? Any famous people that have come through? Oh, boy. Um, let's see, there's so many of them. Which ones can I, can I say for the, uh, the general public? Well, there's an interesting, uh, story. There's been a lot of people, you know, Robert De Niro, um, Lee Iacocca. I can tell you a story about that. Uh, Yoko Ono and those in, in a bunch of others, Michael J. Fox. But, um, one day I was working at the register and we had a local guy that would come in twice a day. Uh, Shinny Greenslip, and he lived up the south end of town, and he would come in in the morning and get a uh, a liter and a half of Carlo Rossi Chablis, and uh, this was before twist-off caps were fashionable, 
and he would come in. And then he'd come in to get the Times Argus later that day with it. You can get another bottle of, uh, of this. So, you know, like clockwork, he would come in. So one day, Shinny comes in for his afternoon bottle of Carlo Rossi in the newspaper, and this limousine pulls up, and Lee Iacocca gets out of the car. And he, he comes in, and it was just him and Shinny in the, uh, you know, in the store. And they both are kind of looking, you know, and Lee Iacocca gets the Wall Street Journal, you know, and Shinny's coming up the other side, and they're both standing at the counter, you know, Shinny and Lee Iacocca, and they just kind of look at each other and size each other up and down, you know, didn't say a word, and I'm just, you know, sitting back saying, you know, I just love my job. This is this is absolutely the best, you know, in the range of people that come into the store, you know, so that was, you know, that was a pretty cool uh, episode. And then back in, you know, shortly after John Lennon was, was, was killed, about two years later, I believe, uh, Yoko Ono came in with, uh, with her son, Sean, and, you know, another bodyguard. And it turned out that they were staying in the valley. She wanted her son to have ski lessons. And so they came up for, you know, a couple of winters. So I remember, and they would come through the store, and he was just a young, young kid, you know, just felt really bad. And we, you know, like we do with all the celebrities, you know, they have, they come up here because they want privacy, and we respect that. About three years ago, my daughter is friends with uh, people that know Les Claypool of Primus, and he was touring with Sean Lennon. So we went out to see that group out in Iowa City because Les Claypool's wife is from Iowa City. That's my daughter lives out there, and that's how they got the connection. And after the show, we're talking, you know, and I'm talking to Sean Lennon, you know, and I said, "So, do you remember, you know, back in the day coming, you know?" He says, "Well, I learned to ski up there." And he says, "Do you remember like a country?" So he says, "You know, I, I kind of do." I says, "Well." I was back there then, and I saw you then, and I'm still there, you know. So we had this really nice conversation, and here it was, you know, 30-something years later. One of my favorites was meeting Michael Richards, and it happened uh, 2010 because I was being celebrated for having worked uh, 30 years at the store. It was over Memorial Day weekend, and I was... You know, there was lots of different parties and different things that were happening, and it was great. It was Monday, and I had heard that he was, you know, visiting. I was doing one of my many tasks. I was taking rubbish out to the dumpsters out, you know, behind the store, and standing in front of the dumpster was Michael Richards, uh, Kramer. Uh, I said, Michael, how you doing? You know, what's going on? And we got into a conversation. He was fascinated with an old TV antenna that was in the neighboring building next door. He says, is that still functioning? Does that still work? He says, I said, I I don't think so. I think it's just uh, something that they never bothered to take down. And he was fascinated with that. And then we got to uh, talking. There was a beautiful spot, you know, behind the Warren store that offers uh, kind of a ravine for Mad River. And he had a bunch of cameras. I said, there's a, some great scenic shots of the river from back there. So we, we went further back, and he enjoyed that. We got talking about why he was up here. He was a kind of a history buff and went to Fort Ticonderoga and Crown Point and was, you know, just checking things out and staying under the radar. And, um, you know, we had this great chat for about a, a half hour. He, he wore his... Uh, kind of retro clothing that you would imagine him, but and he, he had that big wall of hair, 
and uh, very tall. I, I, I'm tall. He was two, maybe three inches taller than me. And uh, he got out of his character a couple of times, you know, but he was very soft-spoken. But then he, he would go into his Kramer things. He says, oh, you're really busy here. You're doing pretty well for yourself, you know, seeing all the activity over Memorial Day weekend at the store. So it was, it was very fun and entertaining. And, you know, just a, a look at a celebrity that I revered. You know, I think he's one of the great comics of all time. He's kind of the Art Carney of our generation. And, you know, to meet him in person, to actually have that quality time and talk person to person instead of wild-eyed fan, you know, he was, he was delightful and very friendly and cordial. And that, to me, it's always a treat to see, you know, a celebrity and to talk to them on neutral turf, you know, just as a person instead of a, a fan. And that's what they want. And that's when they become receptive. He was probably the, the highlight. If you're looking for a Vermont country store that sells everything from maple honey granola and organic coffee to cashmere toppers and smart wool socks, the Warren store is the place you'll find everything you need. Thanks for listening to the Happy Vermont podcast. Do you have a favorite Vermont country store? Have you been to the Warren store? Send me comments, story ideas, or feedback at hello at happyvermont.com. Thanks for listening.